moderates inside the Labour Party. That's the people who get told that they're Tories. And if you think about it logically, and I said this at Labour Party conference at various fringe meetings, you know, I'm not a Tory. I said that and some people in the audience booed at me and shouted and said I was. And it's like, seriously? Now, I'm a Labour Party member, I'm not a Tory, but you're trying to purge me. Opposing the government and opposing the Conservatives, I'm afraid it's the hard left who want to tighten their control. They want to uh, sideline uh, moderate voices. I don't think anybody should be surprised about that is the nature of the hard left. And of course, we know that the hard left famously cannot tolerate any who dissent. Who are the hard left, What's Chris? Well, we know who the hard left are in the you know, ascendancy I, I, within, the, within the Labour that. Party who associate with the hard left. You just said that we were right to right wing. The hard left agenda, printing money, nationalising without compensation as a hard left wing position. Hard the left, the hard 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 left, hard left, hard left, hard left, the hard left, 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 left, hard left, by the way, H. McLandrus is saying in the uh, group DM, looking forward to more stupid shit from the NEC. Only members joining between 1987 and 1997 <laughs> permitted to vote. Regis registered supporter fee, £250, to be paid in person in cash to Tom Watson in his lo locked dredge wank bunker at an undisclosed <laughs> location. <laughs> Fuck me. Oh, yeah. I can't wait for that. I can't wait to see what they're going to pull. I thought £25 was like everyone would just rise up and be like, that's insane. Yeah, what, man. They've put in this arbitrary fee. <laughs> but like now, they're like, well, that didn't work. If anything, yeah. that gave him so much money for an election, shit. And so they're just going to restrict it down like on an old like Jim Crow law kind of things. This could like have you like fail these ideology tests to get your card back. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I might yeah. I might start this episode with um, the clip from George Galloway's show on RT where John McTurnan's like, I'm not a Tory. They call me a Tory, but I'm actually not a Tory. I've been in Labour for forty years. I'm not a Tory. And he's like, I did this speech where I said, I'm not a Tory. And people were booing me and going, yes, you are. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. So you're saying that John McTernan is, is not a Tory? No, I'm what? not saying that. Oh, I don't think anyone is Oh, so, oh saying are we, we agreeing? Okay, okay. I'm, just, I'm just shocked. I've always assumed that the man is, you know, a compassionate, you know. Yeah. He wants one nation, yeah, one nation conservatism. You know, he's completely into that, you know. Yeah, I mean, no, you think of the great, like, historians of exactly. you know, conservative culture, you think Peter Hitchens, you think T.E. Utley, you think Benjamin Disraeli, you think John McTernan. <laughs> there is a link. Okay, so... Hello, and welcome to another special little episode of Real Politic. We have no reels, we have no films, but what we have is major, major... Well... Again, as we've been saying, there's lawyers involved. We're having to be very careful. We're having to tread very carefully. Yeah. But joining us here, myself, Tom, we also have our member of our real politics family, Kieran. Hello. Our Westminster correspondent. Yes. Yeah, still representing. <laughs> representing the Minster. <laughs> and of course, Jack Frayne Reed. Hello. We've convened this special episode today because it's sort of like a, it's a sequel, I guess you could say, to the other episode that came out, was it sometime in the last week? It was on Friday. And it was talking about the discovery of certain URLs and <laughs> continuing evidence to suggest there's 
something untoward going on, yeah. 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 I I I think we need to discuss them further, and there's been more news that's come to light. I think before we headlong into this, I just... I've got the um, results of the Real Politic Listener of the Week here. Oh, okay. Um, the paper's going. It's Owen Bennett. Owen Bennett. Uh, oh. Owen Bennett of oh. Westminster is our Real Politic <laughs> Listener of the Week. Uh, thank you for entering the competition, Owen. Uh, we wish you all the best, and we hope to have you on the show at some point. Owen Bennett, everybody. Owen Bennett of the Huffington Post, that is. Yeah, I understand that Owen is a big fan of ours. He listened to, I believe, our last show, which, which, as we said, it came out last Friday. And in that, we revealed, well, Kieran discovered this scoop. <laughs> so so let, let's hand over to him to explain what he found on the 17th of February 2017. Well, I was pissing around with domain names and things like that, looking for, you know, different triggers. I looked at Hillary for leader, it was there. Angela for Labour leader, seeing what the structure is by what they do and who covers their name and whatever. And I thought, I'll chuck in Clive for Labour. Cliveforlabour.org, I think, is the one I found. And clear as day, registered 29th of June 2016 under the name Clive Lewis, which was verified by a third party source that confirmed his address. Now, I am not saying that that is in any way conclusive. I think that's important <laughs> to say at this point. But what is clear, that the person who set up this URL had obtained or knew Clive Lewis's home address that would also be on record to check with a public authority. And from that, I distributed it amongst friends at 1738 on the 17th of February. And I think that's where we take back over with you, Jack. Yeah, so I, I was one of the friends who Kieran shared this information with, and I thought it was quite interesting. Immediately, pretty much, I thought we need to talk about this on the show. So on the... You see, we're, we're making sure we get a proper timeline for all this. <laughs> <laughs> this is some forensic Getting shit. Getting the structure in there. Yes. <laughs> Good. It needs to be done. It's so, like a big wall of evidence, just kind of you know, <laughs> lines connecting who said what, and then we're going to, you know, try and... Wheels within together. wheels. So on, <laughs> on, I think, Monday the 20th, we recorded an episode with me, Kieran and Yaya. Tom was sadly unable to make it, but he knew about yes. uh, this information as well, because we'd, uh, we'd informed him. We recorded an episode where we discussed this, and... Two days after that, I think, was it on the Wednesday, the Labour Party had two important by-elections because two of their biggest Blairite slug MPs had resigned their seats. Tristram Hunt and Jamie Reid had gone on to seat pastures new, nights and nice cushy jobs. Um, well, let's not slander Tristram Hunt here before, before we continue this. <laughs> you know, let's, let's not get into this. Your again. spirit animal, Tristram Hunt. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there were these two by-elections in Stoke-on-Trent Central and in Copeland. And although Labour won in Stoke-on-Trent, and congratulations to Gareth Snell, the new Labour MP, who beat the odious Paul Nuttall of UKIP, (laughs) however, Labour lost in Copeland. And immediately uh, this became the latest pretext for talk of when is Jeremy Corbyn going to go. Even though he won a leadership election in September 2015, 
And then he won another one in September 2016, less than a year ago, which has damaged the Labour Party, that whole leadership election, the coup that um, instigated it, has damaged the Labour Party so much, their, their public standing, their unity. People are apparently willing to go through this again, uh, as there's certainly been a lot of talk of... How can Jeremy Corbyn continue as Labour leader after losing a seat like Copeland? So immediately, as a supporter of Corbyn, I thought we should probably put this episode out, as certain people who are particularly supportive of Clive Lewis had been, you know, saying this cannot continue, this is unsustainable. And I thought, okay, well, let's show that Possibly some people have been into the idea of Corbyn stepping down for a while. So yeah, we we put out this episode on Friday the 24th. The next day, a Labour activist from the left of the party contacted me, having independently discovered the same news. So this was certainly being talked about on the left to some extent. I don't know how he'd found it. But then the day after that, on the Sunday, the 26th, the story suddenly turned up as an exclusive in the Huffington Post. (laughs) (laughs) Out of nowhere. Yeah, out out of nowhere. This exclusive. I mean, (laughs) absolutely nowhere before. Nobody had gone into it in any depth. Not a sniff, not a thought. No one had thought to look. Yeah, no one one had thought to look. This was not known by anybody on the left. You did end up being credited, though, but not by a source that you would have really wanted to. It was... But by (laughs) a site I know and love. (laughs) Junior Corbynistas uh, from uh, fucking Guido Fawkes. Guido (laughs) Fawkes, Alex Wickham, all the comrades. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Oh, an article by Owen Bennett appeared in the Huffington Post. This is Owen Bennett who's known for, at the Tory conference in, I think, 2015, somebody spat in his face, and uh, instead of wiping this off, he went up to some, uh, you know, his colleague's camera and just sort of mugged with his, all the spit just crawling down the side of his face. Like, <laughs> just to make... his face to a side, just to kind of keep the... The saliva just hanging there. Yeah. Right, just get a get a get a shot on this. Let me just take a one sec. Let me just get the different position here. We gotta get gotta get this all. We gotta get in the right light. You know. I, the I picture didn't... is beautiful. It's I, so good. I didn't even like... clock the spit at first because he has just like kind of gross, like slimy, shiny skin. I was just like. <laughs> I think it's a it's a powerful, powerful symbol. I mean, if we're looking for the archetypal real politic listener, the downtrodden. <laughs> spat on, <laughs> miserable, just worn down by the efforts of day-to-day life and what we live in. I I think he stands for exactly who we are and who we represent. Well, in terms of getting spat on, but, but I mean, <laughs> I mean, the rest of that, you know, a, 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 you know, a, a Tory, I possibly say, journalist, like, I, you know, I'm not, I can't say I'm an expert on our friend and huge fan Owen Bennett's politics. Well, he's Maoist. Everyone knows that. He's Maoist. <laughs> <laughs> that would make sense. That would that would explain how he is one of our regular listeners. Yeah, We've that, got that, him locked down. So yeah, Owen Bennett basically broke the same scoop two days after we did. And uh, yeah, this was billed as a, a like big exclusive. And immediately, you know, we, start, we started um, 
just being a bit silly about it on Twitter and just saying saying various things about how the Huffington Post plagiarising us and all this stuff, which <laughs> we would certainly not care enough about that allegation to press it in a court of law. That's all I'm saying. No, not not even slightly. Not even like, slightly. They can we happen. will bend our knee when it comes to bringing out the lawyers <laughs> yeah. and threatening all the lawsuits. No, just no. Just, just we're, we're, we're not going to get into that. We don't care that much about like... Only 12 episodes in, Christ. <laughs> 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 and the lawyers are already coming with <laughs> knives and knives. What kind of lawyers? Jesus are these? Christ. <laughs> It's Stasi. Like Jess Phillips' lawyers. You know how she's always saying she's going to stab Corbyn? But yeah, so I think they detailed how Clive registered... Uh, oh, sorry, how somebody using the name Clive Lewis registered cliveforleader.co.uk, cliveforleader.org.uk, cliveforlabour.co.uk, and cliveforlabour.org.uk. And this was, as we said on the previous episode, uh, I think while Clive was at Glastonbury, he, he, he did an interview with Middle East Eye on the same day. Yeah, he was definitely, definitely a guy. I think it might have even been on the 30th. So he would have been, that would have been that night, that evening. He would have been in there, and then the morning when things, I think, were wrapping up at Glastonbury, he came home. Because yeah. Because that's why um, Woodcock stood in for him. <laughs> Woodcock stood in for him. Yeah, he stood in as shadow defence, or offered himself to the right honourable member for BAE Systems, wanted to take <laughs> over the defence brief as quickly as he could. <laughs> oh, God. I mean, you'd think the sort of BAE squad would be reluctant to uh, lend their support to Iranian hangmen from the uh, Jones-Lewis wing of the party. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's obviously a reference to Graham Jones. Who, the weirdest who... exchange I've ever seen on Twitter. Like, what? <laughs> What I think about that tweet every day. Like, <laughs> not a day goes by where I don't think of uh, Graham Jones saying to Owen Jones, oh, so as long as it's ISIS or the Iranian government, you're fine with killing and torturing children. I'll, sti- <laughs> I'll stick with UN, you Iranian hangmen. <laughs> oh, Graham, if you're listening, unblock me. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Kieran just messaged Graham Jones just time and time again saying, Graham, uh, have you got a ticket? Like, and, and, and you even like got the name of his assistant, didn't you? Yep. You're like, I've, con- I've contacted such and such and, and, and I've asked, have, have you got a ticket? And eventually Graham Jones cracked and said, a, a ticket for what? And Kieran was just like, for Deselection Express! Yeah. <laughs> Did you post that picture of Corbin of the train? Yep, that's the one. <laughs> that's and yes. he just deletes the tweet, blocks me straight away. <laughs> and that's that's the last I ever heard from Graham Jones. Yeah, magnificent tweet. <laughs> didn't didn't that uh, Article 50 nonce troll you over that? Yeah, briefly. <laughs> with a very long chain that they deleted within a day. Which is it's, that's weird behaviour, that's pathological behavior yeah but bizarre bizarre person oh yeah so so we were talking about so where we were in our story so clive is at glastonbury isn't he yeah and um i just love how you could carry it so basically clive's at glastonbury so did you say kieran he headed back from glastonbury the next day yeah he must have unless he's been doing this while he's like operating a five-day hangover like that's Probably permissible. Yeah. If he just got home and he's like, oh shit, I'm shadow defense second. Probably have to be leader one day. And yeah. he just took out his laptop and be like, right, got to set these up at some point. 
I'd take that. That'd be a cool enough reason, but yeah. I, I'm not saying it was him. So, the next day Clive got home, anyway. And, incidentally, which uh, I'm sure has no connection to what we're talking about, Owen Jones, who is known as a close friend of Clive Lewis, in fact said in his video interview with Clive Lewis that he did a few days after that, he says at the start that Owen was interested in the idea, um, the idea of Clive running as the left candidate in that leadership election, because at the time it was uncertain as to whether Jeremy Corbyn would get on the ballot. So I think Owen Jones was thinking the left need to have some kind of alternative in case... A unity candidate, yeah. Yeah, and he tweeted, if you voted for Jeremy Corbyn, could you accept a different continuity candidate? Would love to hear your thoughts. And similarly, um, his comrade Ellie May O'Hagan, who's also a friend of Clive's, tweeted that day, the day Clive got back from Glastonbury, the day after the URLs were registered. She tweeted, what Labour needs is a left-wing candidate who runs with Corbyn's blessing, but makes it a priority to unite the party and heal divides. So from what I understand, from what various people have told me, there was an appetite at that time among sections of the left for Corbyn to step down and Clive Lewis to run in his place. And it has been suggested to me, I have no idea how true this is, that at the time Clive was open to it and possibly more open to it than he is now. This That's was, a fair way of putting it, I think. Yeah, this was going on in the two days after Corbyn lost a vote of confidence from, I think, 80% of his MPs. And while it was still uncertain as to whether he would get on the ballot, eventually it was ruled that he wouldn't need to collect nominations from MPs in order to do so. But they still thought he might. And of course, given the composition of the PLP as evidenced by that vote of confidence, he, he wouldn't have got on the ballot. Yeah. And I think, to be fair, to play devil's advocate, there was an understanding, or at least a pretty prevalent rumour, that he might not have come out of that. I've yeah. heard from a few drips and drabs that there was an idea that, you know, it wasn't the most implausible thing in the world that this catastrophic rebellion might have broken him. He yeah. stood firm. You know, a lot of rumours wouldn't quite go away, and there was a feeling, and I know we all felt at the time, of either he's yeah. going to be kept off the ballot and have to step down, or he's, he's not going to be able to take it, because who could? I think he displayed an incredible amount of strength as a leader and commitment to the left and his, and his cause and the people who he represents in putting up with that, because from what I've read about the PLP meeting on the night of the vote of confidence, yeah. MP after MP came up to in Diane Abbott's words, try and break him as a man to furiously demand that he resigned. And, yeah, I, I've seen in Alex Nunn's book, he says, I can't remember if he's quoting somebody, but he says, yeah, it's a, it's kind of a bullying that would not be acceptable in any workplace. And mm. I think that's true of a lot of the ways that the right of the Labour Party behave towards people on the left, both in the way they sort of gerrymander the institutions and the mechanisms of the party, and just simply the fact that because the media tilts so far to the right, this idea has been allowed to 
spread the the left are the ones who are sort of nasty and abusive and so the right pretty much have carte blanche to say what they want about anyone on the left, encourage racist pylons against Diane Abbott and Shami Chakrabarti. That yeah, they pretty much have free reign, and um, and and the way they treat Corbyn is just a microcosm of the way they treat the left as a whole. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Like it's a complete disgrace. The absolute dedication they have to stifling debate in this country. You know, when you consider yeah. the terms in which they put Corbyn on in the first place of this, oh, well, you know, we need to have a fair debate. So the left needs a candidate. but So we'll lend you a nomination and you can have your say. And then the sensible adults can, you know, get what you're feeling. Because in an ideal world, we'd vote with you and we'd like you. But yeah. take what you're saying and make it realistic. And then I think the strength of, you know, particularly the first voter drive for Corbyn, you know, it can't be overstated. In yeah. what an expression of latent leftism was prevalent in the country. What could be activated in people? People yeah. who had never been in political parties, people who hadn't even considered, you know, having some sway over voting for the party that they um, vote for at the elections, voting within their elections. I, it, it politicized people enormously. Yeah, it's incredible that the Labour Party have not seized on this in the way they, they could have. And frankly, you know, unlike some, I don't blame the left for that. I do I do think that the right are largely responsible. Because when you... Like, when, but basically, when you have a whole section of your party saying that the party is not worth voting for, from the very start of this Corbyn thing, even whilst it energised people in a way... Uh, the politics hadn't seen in, seen in years. The entire right of a party sort of went, "Oh, that doesn't matter. This isn't yeah. a real. This isn't a real sign of success." They couldn't even spin the thing they're supposedly so great at. They couldn't even come out and make the case that there is something brilliant about being the largest social democratic party in Europe. Stuff like that. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I mean, when you look at the size of the victory, you know, the old line was that you don't give an airing to these views because they don't have popular support. No one thinks them. It's, you know, it's academic, it's ideological, it's not considered, and it certainly isn't attractive to voters. And that's what's justified from the Mandelson era yeah. through to the modern Labour Party and the attacks that Miliband got with the right of the party and the media very much in line <laughs> with each other in that old New Labour gritty kind of way. Absolutely. It was a rejection of a tangible body of people that they have, you know, testamental evidence to show that they exist. They have votes down. They have attendances at rallies. It gets dispelled so quickly, but yeah. it's people on the ground. People on the ground coming out, supporting and defending the idea of a leftist Labour Party. Yeah. And that's completely ignored. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I think this idea that the Labour Party isn't significantly more radical than it was say, under Ed Miliband is nonsense. I, I, I honestly do. I mean, of course, the right haven't changed. They're probably more reactionary than ever because, you know, liberalism has just just gone sort of haywire uh, in, in the last year or so. Everyone's like, George Bush is fucking great now all of a sudden. <laughs> like Johnny Reynolds, uh, oh. I'll use as my British liberal Blairite case in point. He was retweeting a, oh, great George Bush is back thing earlier. But um, I think if Clive Lewis does become leader, 
if he is able to pursue any kind of left-wing agenda, it will be thanks to Jeremy Corbyn, thanks to Corbyn's fortitude in, in putting himself forward and putting these issues on the agenda. He intended to start a debate in the party. Well, he won a lot of the debates in the party, like the economic debate. He won ten times over. I think nobody is talking this austerity bollocks anymore, and that would not be the case without, you know, without Corbyn's leadership. I think people on the left, at least, will look back quite fondly at Corbyn in a lot of ways. I think he's been a very important figure for the left. He went further than Tony Benn and captured the leadership of the party. He got, yeah. more, he got more people to join the party than Benn ever did. I, I he's think... also incomparable to Michael Foote, and I think that needs making clear yeah. for the history books. He is absolutely incomparable. <laughs> Foot was Corey. a unity candidate. Foot was yeah. a Clive Lewis who, exactly. who you know get get pushed about by the right. And that's his option. He can either be a Foot or a Kinnock, but he's never going to be prime minister. <laughs> not with the current system. Not without. And you know, I don't want to say it because it's what they want us to say. But not without purges. Not without yeah. deselection. Not without restructuring the party. Never ever going to happen. And um, that's the issue. If they're hoping to get Clive on the ballot in a leadership contest without the so-called McDonnell Amendment being passed, which would lower the threshold for nominations needed for an MP to get on a leadership ballot, then what kind of compromises would he have to make in order to garner the support of MPs who are further to the right than himself. I think that is already evident in the speech he gave at the Labour Party conference for which he was sacked as Shadow Defence Secretary, which basically included all this, uh, I think, quite ahistorical guff about how NATO was founded on social democratic principles and uh, is a sort of a force for good in the world and always has been, and as, w as well a promise that Labour would not be seeking to scrap the Trident system. Which is ridiculous, which is so against what everyone knows. Corbyn stands for, and that is yeah. one of the policies that endures. People know that he's against Trident, and the party, yeah. by all accounts, should be against Trident, but Absolutely, the party it's the right itself, stance. which, you know, which Clive is standing with, is the rebellious wing of it that humiliated him in Parliament over this exact issue. I think so, and, yeah, I think it was very worrying to see people like John McTurnan and Cam and Collins and all the kind of ultra Blairites who sort of write for right-wing papers now. They're, they're all coming out and saying how great that speech was and how much they admired him. And, and of course, using it as a pretext for one of their bullshit, all lurking in every corner at Seamus Milne, pulling the strings. Yeah. You know, this idea that Seamus Milne just sort of, you know, went rogue and changed Clive Lewis's speech. Like, as if he'd fucking do that without permission. As if he'd dare. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, what the fuck is that about? Like, Seamus Milne is, is one of the most loyal sort of soldiers of Corbyn's movement. <laughs> like, Milne, uh, by all accounts, is just 100% down for the fight. Which, of course, is why a lot of people despise him. But he's certainly shown a lot more commitment than a lot of people to this project. And will continue to do so, yeah. He's now quit The Guardian to um, stay on with Corbyn. 
I mean, I, I, I hear mixed things about Milne. I know, I know some people whose opinions I quite value who think he should go, but I know, you know, again, some people who think he's essential there as a kind of true loyalist. Yeah, someone who's got the best interests of the leader at heart constantly. Yeah, no idea of, like, as you, you know, if you did have someone like an Owen Jones in the similar position, you've got a feeling that it wouldn't necessarily all be about the leader. That no. it would be about policies <laughs> that people may want to enact or push for or moves that are very much from the unelected prince rather than <laughs> the leader himself. Yeah, because the makeup of his office is something that I know you particularly want to sort of bring up as well. Because it's yeah. not exactly the most supportive office and grouping that surrounds him doing the essential work, which is a, a bit of a problem there that needs to be tackled. That's what I understand. So my my understanding is that Simon Fletcher, um, yeah, Simon Fletcher, who recently resigned as Corbyn's campaigns director, he apparently sort of filled the office with his old sort of socialist action mates many many of whom are not particularly supportive of Corbyn I mean another example of that would be Neil Coleman who resigned from Corbyn's office and ended up backing Smith at the last election so I think if there is a division opening up on the left I could see those two possibly placing themselves on the other side of it to Corbyn yeah I could see that happening I could see them aligning very quickly and providing whoever chooses to step in as that candidate with a fairly solid left apparatus around them that would enable them to challenge and try and yeah. take a good chunk of that base that Corbyn has behind him. And that's purely speculation. Like, I don't know either of those guys personally. I think that purely on a sort of political level in terms of who people seem to be aligning with at the moment. So we've talked about these email addresses domain names which clive lewis is of, is of course um, now denying that he had anything to do with so first very strangely like yeah that first denial was wantonly cryptic I a think. strange thing about pig fucking <laughs> it, it's like, weird it's yeah, weird be it's... because when when i asked owen bennett why he stole our scoop he was like sorry can't talk got my dick stuck in a pig right now quite a similar situation <laughs> <laughs> did, did we say actually that owen bennett wrote those tweets where he was like yes sorry the, these people uh, yeah. got to the scoop before me and then he deleted them all quite yeah soon was, after why, that. why why yeah well we got a screen cap of at least one of them you fucker yeah <laughs> we've got you the evidence mounts yeah. up. <laughs> We're going to use your fucking face to market this episode. Simon Hedge has made us some artwork. <laughs> uh, what are you going to fucking do? <laughs> what the fuck? You, he's got to get his lawyers on us, isn't he? Yeah, we'll lose. We'll lose. <laughs> we will get fucked up in court. Okay. So, so yeah, we, we've talked about the fact that last year there was a plan to possibly replace Corbyn with Clive Lewis if Corbyn would agree to this, which I'm informed he didn't. So, and that's pretty self-evident, isn't it? I mean, Corbyn's the leader of the party still. Yeah, he ain't going anywhere. However, however, it has been alleged to me by multiple sources that there will be a leadership challenge within the next year and that Clive Lewis is the candidate who people are considering. So the dates that I have been given are possibly May and possibly September. Ooh. And I have been told it's a matter of when, not if. 
I have also been told that there is significant institutional backing behind this leadership challenge, including one of the major unions, which apparently has been enthusiastically promoting Lewis as a future leader since before he was even an MP. And this is also what I, I've been told by various sources, that Clive Lewis is a good guy and they all feel kind of bad for him for getting roped into this. They say there's a lot of pressure on him to run and a lot of people pushing him into it and frankly if you were Clive Lewis and you had everyone telling you that you'd be leader of the Labour Party one day it might go to your head a little yeah. bit just absolutely, a little bit so, so I'm it's just, just put, always going to be there isn't it yeah I'm just putting this out there I, I you know I don't I, I don't hate Clive Lewis, I don't want to smear no, his name, but it has been told to me with various degrees of certainty that there will be a leadership challenge within the next year. Yeah, and it's not going away. It really yeah. isn't. And his denials are, while understandable, getting increasingly bizarre, increasingly cryptic. And as I said, I don't yeah. want to do him down. <laughs> I don't necessarily agree with his politics. No. You know, I think... He stands with us on a good few policies, and that's fair enough, but his defence side is just... It's a complete vote killer for me. I, I couldn't stand by that. But what I've also got out of all of this and how readily available information has been on Clive Lewis... Yeah. He can't be leader. He can't <laughs> be leader. He's, and I don't mean this in an insulting way, but every last bit of this has shown incompetence. It's shown... A, you know, someone who hasn't been an MP for two whole years yet, being foisted into the limelight by people who've been around a lot longer than he has, or not very much longer, but want their moment in the sun. And he looks inexperienced. He yeah. does not look like leadership material in any way, shape or form. And in fact, what I've been told is that Clive is, quote unquote, desperate to spend some time on the backbenches. He says in his interview with Owen Jones from last summer that he felt he'd kind of been, you know, pushed into the shadow cabinet too soon. He wants to be a constituency MP. He wants to spend some time with the people of Norwich. And I think you know, with his uh, voting against Article 50 at the final reading, I think that, you know, that shows that he is perhaps committed to staying the MP for that constituency. Yeah, um, yeah I buy so, that. I completely buy that. So um, I, th I think there's a, an extraordinary amount of pressure being put on him. I've had people say before he was even leader when they met him, they were introduced by certain movers and shakers in the movement. Uh, they introduced him as a future leader of the Labour Party. It's like, Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah. Like, I just imagine if you went over there with people like telling you that, getting you an extra pint, trying to be extra friendly to you, and you haven't even got elected yet. You know the second that they get the time to call the debt back in from you, you're going to have to dance to their tune or at least give them a fair hearing. I think, yeah, he seems very caught in between. And this challenge is a case of not if, but when. It's just going to be... I can imagine they're going to be obviously waiting for a time when there's going to be a stumble in the leadership or there's a way to frame it. And it's going to come at a sort of similar time, maybe like the last coup, where it just it, this coup, that if it is going to happen, will also just collapse, will collapse just like the last one did. It's just It doesn't seem to kind of, you know, I don't think... You know, it's, it just doesn't I, seem to work, you know, work out. I worry even more than that, yeah, that, okay. that the 
who, rather than just failing and Corbyn remaining as leader with a, again, severely damaged and divided party, I worry that because the Blairites wouldn't really support Clive Lewis, because he, he may be kind of aligning himself with the soft left, but he's still much more left-wing than fucking, like, Graham, Iranian hangmen, Jones, or whoever. Like, you <laughs> Mike know. Gapes or John Mann or any oh, of those figures, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Or, you know, the ultra Blairites like Chucker or Tristram, he's much, much more left wing than them. So, of course, these people, the fucking Richard Angel wankers, like, you know, progress a lot. They wouldn't want him as leader, so they'll be thinking up their own alternatives. And my worry is that if Lewis challenged Corbyn, because he would be institutionally separating himself from Corbyn's movement, which you could, let's, for the sake of this conversation, just, like, describe as the hard left. Yeah. Um, Clive would be aligning himself with the soft left, therefore the left of the party would have no choice but to run their own candidate, be it Rebecca Long-Bailey, uh, Emily Thornbury, um, although she's more kind of soft left, but again, she's kind of aligned with the hard left, so it's all confusing in Labour now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, my worry is that that could clear a space for Dan Jarvis, Chukaramuna, some kind of right-wing, well, pro-market, pro pro-war leader. <laughs> you know, Dan is coming, he's coming with his gun around his back, his camo on, his makeup, he's going to be ready for war and you know there needs to be some kind of foundational myth to the man who liberates our country and makes britain truly <laughs> great and thriving and bold and energetic again dan and jarvis most, yeah dan, dan jarvis, jarvis most will of all freeze marine i cannot wait till marine <laughs> yeah he'll at first he'll be a defense and then yeah he'll, he'll just be like fuck it let's stick marine a in control of the budget and it'll just be like all the money going to war just like all of it like the flag budget just going up by like five billion quid yeah, I don't know. Jarvis, um, it does seem like he wants the leadership, despite being incredibly boring. I think he does want to liberate this country, just like he single-handedly liberated Iraq. <laughs> and B.R. Saddam. <laughs> He's a very complex character. He doesn't just take from British figures. No, he went over Iraq. He saw, this is good. I mean, it's fallen in, but I can fix this. And that was his thought of Iraq, and that's what he's going to bring over to Britain. <laughs> so that is a serious worry, that by splitting the left, this leadership challenge could open up a space for the right of the Labour Party to take back control of the mechanisms. And what I worry about is that some people on the soft left are, shall we say, intensely relaxed about that prospect. Like, the creeping danger is there for all to see, and just just a bit of vigilance would be nice. I, I think so, because, like, you know, that this is an institutional, organisational war in the Labour Party. It is raging out in the open. People in Labour are under no illusion about their factionalism, who they're aligned to. And, and what they're prepared to do to get yeah. their faction in power. Yeah, you saw members on the right of the party cheering that, you know, they'd been disenfranchised if they joined after January. They, they were like, yeah, great, I don't care that I can't vote, that democracy's limited, as long as it fucking hinders the left. Like, these people will happily accept restrictions on their own freedoms and their own power as members within the party in order to bolster the power of the right. 
and, and hinder the left. It's insane from them. It's a suicidal tactic. But the yeah. problem is that the inevitability of the civil war is so enormous and the repercussions so profound that if anything, this stuff about Clive, it isn't personalised, but it's a plea. It's a plea to stop it. If you get people yeah. knowing and understanding what's going on, <clears throat> that this, you know, this act of complete sabotage that will split the left block in two, yeah. the union of which is the only thing that has brought us to leadership after... 40, Absolutely. 50, 60 years of trying. The only thing we can try and do is stop it from happening. Yeah. Tell him to pipe down. Tell him to take his time on the backbench or in the shadow cabinet. Let Corbyn and his team pick a successor and keep control of the party because there is nothing, nothing more important than that. Yeah. I think I think that's absolutely true. I think this could create a huge gaping division on the left. And my worry is, is as well that they'd try and pitch Clive as the kind of anti-Brexit candidate, which, I mean, if you want to elect a really suicidal... Yeah, mission, exactly. Yeah. yeah. There's your sure, unity policy, insane. but there's yeah. your, your fucking gravestone. That's a way to get <laughs> Tim fucking Farron saying, oh, yeah, no, you actually are a progressive. But it, it's not a way to A, win elections, B, yeah. actually be progressive just this, not even that like tim farrell would turn on him straight away yeah. it'd be like look labor absolutely switched. we were right because yeah. he's a fucking toad exactly <laughs> exactly you you yeah. can't you can't trust these people so so that that's something i find worrying if the end goal of this leadership challenge is a progressive alliance i can see a huge amount of ground being given to the right in order to cozy up to the lib dems and a huge amount of ground given to the kind of ineffectual pro-eu center who i mean which i think it's almost like parts of the debate around the european union have become a distraction from socialists trying to pursue socialism <laughs> essentially <Yeah. laughs> like there's you know people aren't thinking about what we can try and do out of the european union as much as i agree with the idea that it's a bad thing that we're leaving people are almost people are centering their beliefs around this one issue which it's the hill is, that people are dying on yeah for some yeah exactly reason. exactly and i don't think you can base your ideology around uh you know an essentially a glorified like trade policy an extensive trade policy and an excuse to like wave a different flag every few months at a big conference. And I know people will talk about what the EU has done for different regions of this country, but the fact of the matter is that they shouldn't have been doing that for this country. Our government should have been doing that for this country. Our government yeah. should have been regenerating these cities. And it's nice of the European Union to be doing that, but we don't owe them now. We don't yeah. owe them eternal fealty and we're going to beg to get back in bed with them. It's you know, like we're leaving and it's bad, but we need to make the best of it. Maybe if we were so dependent on them, we uh, we shouldn't have been. Yeah. And just 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 a thought, like if if people are gonna get absolutely fucked and the poorest are gonna get hit the hardest because you don't have the backing of this system anymore, maybe it's not so benevolent. Yeah, let's take some action against it. Against yeah. that happening in our in our country, rather than waiting for these beneficent multinational like bodies, governmental bodies, to step in and do the role that any government should be doing for itself. We've already got like five lawsuits off the back of this coming through. Yeah. Owen <laughs> exactly. Bennett, the Huffington Post, yeah. Clive Lewis, the Labour Party. 
<laughs> I've already. Do you think I could mention that Compass are backing him? I reckon that's bad. They're fine. They're not. They're just um. Just another sort of semi-professional organization. They're a clique, an organized clique. They're a clique who've got a website. And that's about it. They're not a meaningful policy group in any way whatsoever. Well, they lost all their influence when they opened their membership up to people from parties other than Labour a few years ago, didn't they? Yeah. And it just became another another bunch of uh, soft left wankers. But, exactly. Who gives well, I mean, a fuck I guess, what they think? Yeah. <laughs> didn't Mac- yeah, and McDonald like vowed never to work with them again after they <laughs> yeah. were in for the forty-two day detention thing. <laughs> So, the goal is, and I'm told that I don't know if it's the organisation itself, but various people from Compass uh, are enthusiastic about a Clive Lewis leadership bid. Their move to include members from other parties is indicative of their drive for a progressive alliance. That seems to be something that Clive has demonstrated enthusiasm about. He has, yeah. Clive Lewis has frequently uh, written in favour of proportional representation uh, and in favour of a progressive alliance with the other progressive parties. If you can define the Lib Dems as such, uh, he, he of course is willing to work with the Greens, which I think is fair enough. And he's even expressed a willingness to work with the SNP, which, I mean, we, we saw the way the Tories kind of held that over Ed Miliband, although I do think, again, that could be something that needs to be done, even if it's just relying on them for support rather than a formal coalition. Yeah. However, Clive is extremely enthusiastic about the idea of a progressive alliance and this is what compass is ultimately going for and it does seem that various people various operators within left-wing politics are sort of being tempted by this prospect so as i said one of the major unions has effectively promised lewis their backing another smaller union has had talks with Lewis and another Labour MP who I won't name. So there is a kind of institutional demand. For that alliance? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I see a deal with the SNP, like, we saw what happened at the last election with the very prospect of that. The appetite for a progressive alliance is like just a complete myth propagated by the worst, wet, Macron-admiring fucking centrist <laughs> dirt that you can imagine who think that the best possible government is a government of all the talents, which, by the way, was an Edward Heath quote from 1974 uh. about bringing the Labour right into government. It's I mean, a backwards reali- way of thinking. Realistically, they, they do want some Tories in there. They want Soobs. Yeah. They want Ken Clark. <laughs> Ruth Davidson. <laughs> George Osborne. Yeah, George Osborne's suddenly good again because he supports the EU. Oh, yeah. He dreams of what Macron has. Like, yeah. he sees that, like... You know all those images you see of Macron in those, like, dark-lit halls... The yeah. big en marche behind him, being that leader, that presidential leader of oh, George him. Osborne. Fucking dreams <laughs> of that. You oh, know really? that he goes to sleep every night thinking about that. He could have been a contender. <laughs> <laughs> he, he was going to be Tory leader. He was going to be Cameron's successor. That fucking vanished, didn't With it? Mandelson uh, behind yeah. him. Like, if there oh, was yeah. one thing, one real reason for Lexit and... You know, getting our way out of there. Not any of the damage it would cause, but fucking cutting that cunt down. Stopping that succession. 
that was fucking 15 years in the making. Oh, yeah. And Mandy, thanks for your fucking intervention just before our by-elections in two Brexit seats, you massive cunt. Oh, it like... doesn't even need to say it. I will celebrate the day that fucking lizard crawls back to hell. <laughs> the, the Prince of Darkness. <laughs> the, the, or as we like to call him, the Prince of Darkness. He's yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Of... It's quite funny that in 2009, that fucking left power list that like Ian Dale or whatever right wing shitbag who doesn't know the next thing about the left compiles every year Peter Mandelson was number one on the left power lift list in 2009 2016 Jeremy Corbyn mate fuck you Jesus <laughs> seen off by fucking Jeremy Corbyn he would never have seen that coming back in the new labour days Mandelson would that just would not even have crossed his mind yeah, so there is a demand, whether or not people are infused particularly about the Progressive Alliance, part of the equation. Clive Lewis, as Labour leader, is something that a certain amount of people are very keen on, and no more so, I'd say, than his friend Owen Jones. Oh. Who, yeah, he is 110% behind the election and ascension of his very good friend Clive Lewis. Actually, yeah, can I can I just read a quote out from an Owen Jones interview uh, from February the 3rd that appeared in the Evening Standards? This yeah, was uh, when he, he pissed off a lot of people by saying he'd find it difficult to vote for Corbyn in a hypothetical leadership contest. But what he did say was... I'd back a younger leader, able to keep Labour's fractured coalition together. I mean, I don't know who he was referring to there. I don't know who he but... could possibly be referring to there. <laughs> tricky one, that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I've been told by multiple sources that Owen Jones is going around consulting Labour activists uh, as to whether they would support Clive Lewis in a leadership contest. In, in fact, uh, a newspaper printed that he was doing the same with MPs and in included some, a couple of quotes from MPs who sort of sounded quite annoyed about it. But the problem is that most journalists only have contacts with MPs. They don't have, they don't know anybody like like on the left who's just like a normal person. So they're not aware that this is going on outside of Parliament as well. Mm. <laughs> it's so predictable to see this eventual push for more influence. It's widely known that Owen has had this, you know, you could say a distasteful relationship with the top brass of the Labour leadership since Corbyn's been in power. I think it's been a disappointment to him that he hasn't had the leader's ear in perhaps the way that he might have hoped, or of his old boss, John McDonnell, or anything like that. I feel what's clearest is that sense of being marginalised and wanting to find his man to, you know, get a stake back in the action. When I asked one journalist whether they thought Owen would be running Clive Lewis's leadership campaign, they said, well, if he does... He'll lose. <laughs> he, he's uh, well, they said that he'd that he'd alienated everybody in the Labour Party. <laughs> um, um, oh and if you uh, think uh, Seamus Milne is disliked, fuck me. <laughs> Imagine them sharpening the axe for him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and you see, like despite his overtures to the right of the party. 
They, I mean, some of them do, but a lot of them don't treat Owen Jones with any respect. They, they yeah. have this incredible kind of entitlement that that he apologised for like ever expressing left wing opinions and stuff. <laughs> like, like this, you did this to us. You radicalised kids, you <laughs> bastard. Yeah, they all they all blame him for Corbyn and everything. <laughs> <laughs> and he's just it's... endlessly pitching to them no 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 i hate him i hate him like <laughs> you you look at his uh, likes on twitter and there are, there's honestly some just outright blairite shit and they're just like saving labor um, oh saving labor's there that kieran pedley from politicalbetting.com yeah, what was the quote in there with um, like that fucking turtle-headed monster, Mike Smithson? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Mike Smithson says yeah. every word like he's just vomiting it out. Fuck me! <laughs> Didn't he get prominence from predicting the 2015 election? Like being this strange independent pollster who all of a sudden shot into the limelight. He's a blip on my radar. I saw him on Newsnight once and thought, oh, he talks in a funny way. And he's 85 <laughs> years old. Is he? <laughs> a crepid old man who just spends all day <laughs> poring over statistics, having bitter, repressed sexual rage towards Jeremy Corbyn. <laughs> You've got to say, a lot of the people who uh, tweet about uh... how they don't like Corbyn that is the main thing they tweet about. That is the cornerstone of their ideology. They have yeah, it's their just life. Just a throbbing rage boner for him. The same goes for everybody who comments on any article about Diane Abbott saying how she's racist. Uh, yeah, who, she's in, racist incidentally, white people. Yeah, incidentally, I advocate the guillotine for anyone who says Diane Abbott is racist against oh, white people. Like, if you're listening to this, people who say, <laughs> I do actually hope you die. I'm not just saying that as genuinely a belief i hold you need putting out to an island in south georgia and be made to work for a living <laughs> gulags <laughs> so there is this kind of institutional push for um so i tweeted something about how I thought these moves were coming from the soft left of the party. I'm literally just saying that the people and institutions they appear to be aligning themselves in order to push Clive Lewis as leader are the soft left of the party. That's, and they're making a mistake. That's yeah, the most I, important point. It's, I, I think that is a mistake, yeah. Yeah, and we can all see it. It's plain as day. We don't think that they're really going to steal the party off us. We don't really see them as the, like our enemy. We're not yeah. as short-sighted as they make us out to be. We're not obsessed with, as Clive himself has said, doing him down. It's not no. that at all. We don't want to take him out. We just not want to all. prevent them from ripping the party apart. Now, I would love if Clive Lewis was still in the Shadow Cabinet. I'd love if he was still seen as a close Corbyn ally, as as a committed supporter. I just yeah, hope I it doesn't don't... damage his long term credibility because it just would be really be a shame. You know, one of the promising yeah. you know intakes we had. You know, yeah, and yeah, we we don't see eye to eye on some of his views, but it's... but he could be um you know in it's... my mind would be one of the number one candidates I'd love to see in a Labour yeah. government, yeah, in a socialist Labour government. I'd love to see him do business secretary or home secretary even if he had yeah. progressive ideas on policing and that sort of thing. I'd love it. I think so yeah that no that would be brilliant i i would love him to return to the fold i would love if maybe in a few months when he's spent some time in his constituency if corbyn would invite him back to the shadow cabinet i'm and... sure he would like he's yeah no, he's very, very open and you know reconciliatory after the the last election yeah and inviting people back in so he's you know he's not one he's not one to shut him out entirely i don't think <laughs> let
let's be realistic for a minute. Clive Lewis actually didn't need to resign. Three members of the Shadow Cabinet defied Corbyn's whip, and they just got a slap on the wrist for it. They just and got they, a letter like, of he warning. He said as much. Like Corbyn came out and said, "I'm not going to be too tough. I understand." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He, did, he, he actually didn't need to resign, and so I think that might have made some people a bit more suspicious of what he's yeah. up to. I think some people think he has resigned to spend more time with his leadership ambitions. I yeah. don't know how true this is, but um, you know, I wonder if we'll hear anything that might expand on the themes we've talked about in this. When we need Owen to get Jones... uh, uh, we need to get Clive Lewis's close, closest confidant on to kind of find out what's going on, and I am referring to Farage's fuck's face. <laughs> um... <laughs> we need yeah. him on his insights on the Lewis camp. He'll know. As I, as I said last week, if Clive would get Farage's fucked face as his <laughs> director of communications rather than Owen Jones, I would back him in a heartbeat. That's all it would take. <laughs> yeah, just just you know, just aligning yourself with the right people. That's, yeah, that's, that's I mean, cool. I will happily put myself aside and come out supporting nuclear weapons if I thought for a second that Farage's fucked face would get a cabinet post. <laughs> I'm pretty flexible. I'm, I'm not an ideologically solid guy. I'll do it. But I do worry about the direction that Lewis would take. I think it would be an unholy kind of mishmash of this sort of left patriotism stuff, but also this kind of cosmopolitan, we love the EU kind of stuff. It's mm. kind of quite yeah. just Jarringly clashing, as you've seen with both his comments on how free movement hasn't really worked for a lot of British people, and then his sort of very strong pro-EU stance. It does seem a bit contradictory to me, if you're on the left, to defend the very flawed institution that is the European Union, but not go out of your way to defend freedom of movement, which is in my view and in that of many leftists one of the real one of the good points of the european union yeah is it worth bringing up about the the source i told you about uh that i got back in the summer jack do you reckon I, that I've, we can I've, tie that in yeah. somehow i don't know whether you yeah. want to actually name the mp though or well I'd, well basically what it is is john trickett he is another mp who's not particularly keen on owen jones it seems <laughs> and i've had this confirmed by multiple yeah. sources by the yeah, way yeah this <laughs> just, is, this just is that what, bit this not is the boy. rest of what tom's saying but just that the article he wrote you know the questions for corbynistas which yeah. came out kind of during the owen smith corbyn leadership election Supposedly, according to that, he wrote that because it partially in frustration because he wasn't being given access to Corbyn's office. And then I mentioned that to you, Jack. And then you said, oh, that's interesting, because I assumed that OJ wanted to distance himself from the office on purpose. So we, we it's yeah. a case of whether he, he wasn't offered and he's trying to make out maybe that. You know, I didn't. I didn't want it anyway. You know, you know, I didn't even want the job. But yeah, it's, so, it's intriguing, kind of like because we never know quite where he is. Because I assumed that he didn't particularly want. Like when I before I heard that, I assumed he didn't really. He he had purposely distanced himself from the office, or he'd rather kind of cover it right yeah. from the ground and stuff. But that's one. That's what I heard in particular. What I read, this isn't from any kind of like insider tip or anything, this is just stuff I read in the mainstream press. First, Corbyn offered the job of communications director, which remember he didn't have for quite a while after he became leader. Yeah. It was, I think, November that Seamus Milne came in. He offered that job first to Owen Jones and then to Kevin Maguire. I might have got that in the wrong order. 
but apparently they, they were... I was under the impression they were both asked. And at the time, I think Owen Jones said, you know, I didn't want to take a role in Corbyn's team because I wanted to be the kind of voice of this new left-wing movement in the media. Well, that worked out well. Yeah, I mean, that's clear. <laughs> yeah. So how, how many pro-Corbyn columnists does The Guardian have now? Uh, how many in know. the UK press? I mean, I genuinely can't think Definitely. of three consistent ones. Gary I've, Young's... I've seen Gary, him waver. Yeah, Gary Young supports Corbyn, but he isn't into party politics. It's not his main thing. So he doesn't think that the left should be putting their focus in that area. He commented the other day after um, Copeland saying that Corbyn has to take his share of the election defeat, which I don't really think he has to. (laughs) I'm quite into this idea of just relentlessly smearing moderates, to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) That's more my plan. That's that's my modus operandi at the moment. That's how I live my life. (laughs) <laughs> I think Maya Goodfellow supports Corbyn. She writes quite frequently for The Guardian and for Media Diversified, and I think is one of the strongest voices defending immigration at the moment in the British press. Yeah. Paul Mason has a regular column at The Guardian and, of course, is a Corbyn supporter, although he was taped privately by The Sun saying he'd prefer Clive Lewis, but who knows, his plan might have changed strategically. He no one knows what he does day to day. No. He's a very unpredictable <laughs> figure. He's the Oliver red stripe Reed of the red stripe. <laughs> <laughs> Drinking oh, his red I, stripe and you know, I love just Paul so much. Punching people great. on the bus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, he, he he's a brilliant man, Paul. Like in, in his own in his own way. And I do I do hope he runs as an MP in Lee, because he would be straight into Shadow Cabinet. Oh, straight he, away. Yeah. He'd be the he would, bulldog. I mean he'd make Alice yeah. Campbell look like a fairy i'd I'd stick him as chief whip just eat the fucking blairites alive oh god yeah like he'll have a black book on you of like everything you've ever done wrong in your life could you imagine the plp meetings it'd just be just taking all the moderates on just as they're approaching corbyn just like we need to really talk uh jeremy shut the fuck up you blairite warmonger Kicking the life out of Wes Streeting at the start of every TLP <laughs> is a warning as to what can happen. <laughs> Just stealing his McDonald's and <laughs> off with it. <laughs> so, no, but there's... I mean, I'm I'm genuinely, like, really scratching my head for columnists to support Corbyn. Because, obviously, Seamus Milne doesn't, doesn't work for The Guardian anymore. I so he's lost. Seamus, yeah, I almost said Seamus Milne doesn't support Corbyn anymore. That would be bad, <laughs> wouldn't it? That would be Liam, shit things yeah. getting... <laughs> Liam Young's pretty consistent, isn't he, Liam Young? Liam Young is a hardcore Corbynite. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Liam, Liam Young, like, will not say a bad word about the man. And we need that. Uh, yeah. Personally, I don't read a huge amount of Liam Young, but by God, I am glad he's there. Yeah, and of course, he needs the to exist. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I genuinely. Oh, the boy Bastani. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, God. Bastani. Like, no, nobody can doubt his credentials. Love Bastani, hate bastards. Oh yeah, like all of my doubts <laughs> I previously had around that man are just fading away nah, as I have become nah. enveloped in like a sea of love for him. Oh, I, I'm so hyped for like watching it or listening. 
listening to him and McTurnan's debate from yesterday. Oh, <laughs> magnificent <laughs> stuff. You know, what was it you called him? Aaron Bastani, the most electrifying man in sports entertainment, <laughs> <laughs> versus senior conservative politician John McTurnan. <laughs> the century's greatest conservative thinker, John McTurnan. <laughs> Out of all the stuff in this episode, that's probably what we'll get sued for, calling McTurnan a Tory, which he is because he votes for and is a member of the Conservative Party. <laughs> as well as the being one of our dear listeners. Oh yeah, of oh, course McTurnan listens to the show. He's in Peckham Rye right now, he's in the market, <laughs> he's buying veg. He's going, they're talking about me. And he just, you know, texts his lawyer, sets his dogs What's he got us bugged? Is he listening to it now? Yeah. <laughs> MI5 cunt. <laughs> but I've heard that Clive Lewis has been warned that Owen Jones is perhaps has perhaps not got his best interests and the best interests of the party at heart. Yeah. Which, I mean, if Owen hears that, that's going to get a fucking furious response. But I just mean in terms of, like, the strategy he's pursuing, I don't think will work and I don't think it will help the left. Apparently, Clive has been warned about this, but he kind of, you know, he won't listen. Like, I'm, I'm told one pro-Corbyn journalist has been unable to reach him for ages now. They haven't had any of their DMs responded to. He's by, bunkering by down. He's, yeah. you know, he's taking Jones along with him, and what happens, happens, I guess. I think this leadership bid, if we can do anything to stymie it, or anyone, you know, not to overstate our own importance or whatever, but if anyone can do anything to stymie it, please do, because <laughs> it looks like Owen Jones is going to push him all the way, and yeah. he's going to push him to defeat, because yeah. Owen Jones hasn't ever won a single thing in his life, and he <laughs> will certainly not win anything for Clive Lewis. I, I, I don't think so. What I do worry is that, although I don't think Clive would win, I do worry that the right would put up a candidate and would win against yeah. Corbyn, because the left fact would be split in a big way. Little, um, you know, let's play just a, a tiny little game for our listeners. Okay. So, <laughs> what should we give out as a prize? <laughs> like, what, what would be a good thing to give know. our listeners as a special prize? What, for preventing the Clive Lewis leadership bid? <laughs> <laughs> no, I was going to say, alright, so we will give some of our a recording of like some stuff we never released. Like, we haven't got much yeah. else to give. I Personal can't be bothered to, to like send you anything in the post. We'll take we you out give... for a pint. We will yeah. take you out for a pint if you guess correctly which Labour MP described Corbyn in 2015 <laughs> as an IRA supporting terrorist sympathiser. Uh, this uh, this one may not be as easy as you think. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Believe it or not, because cool. I was shocked when I heard who this was. <laughs> That's because... all, all we're going to say. Yeah, Think okay. outside the box. It's not John McDonnell. I'm just, you know, I'm just, put, <laughs> oh, just putting that, that out there. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that would be the ultimate betrayal. Like, Jeremy, just like... Or even it's just like a clip quote and John happened? says afterwards, oh, and I love you for it, Jeremy. So we'll find out that on the next episode then. Who yeah, said I, that? Well, <laughs> well I, we'll talk with the lawyers. <laughs> we, we might tell the person who guesses correctly privately. That's, that's how much we want to keep it on the download. Cause it, yeah. And plus, we need to start keeping our scoops because putting them out there on what we thought was a previously secure channel clearly isn't working. <laughs> Owen Bennett yeah. is working. Owen Bennett. Owen, yeah, Owen Bennett is listening. What, so someone was like, what is it with Owens? 
I was just like, Napoli's okay. Like... Owens are the anti-Toms. <laughs> <laughs> the Owens and the Jollians united. Oh, <laughs> it's got this idea that it is as clever to just go, oh yeah, we are racist and right-wing, get us some power. Yeah. And then they're going to have enough perspicacity about them to be like, yeah, well, let's do some good. But then, like, it's so easy to do things that you consider good in a quite centrist government where you can hit particular milestone policies and be like, look how progressive this is or that is or whatever. But it isn't meaningful change. And you can't enact (laughs) socialism having tricked the nation into thinking that you're going to go in, close down the borders and get funding public services again. Yeah, well, exactly. So I do think there are a few more points we can make. One of them is that Corbyn is still stymied within the party by a lack of resources coming from the mechanisms for party still being in the hands of the right. So I think Ian McNichol is the problem, the, the general secretary of the Labour Party. A big issue. So we already mentioned how Corbyn's office is not entirely staffed with people who are hugely enthusiastic about his leadership. He's only got half the staff that Ed Miliband had. McNichol appears to be denying Corbyn resources for his leader of the opposition team, and I think I, it, was, it might have been a new statesman. I read somebody suggest that Tom Watson is effectively building up his own alternative leader's yeah. office. Yeah, well, he took that 500 grand donation from Max Mosley, didn't he? I know! I know. Like, and, how uh, do you course... need to fund the deputy leader's <laughs> office? <laughs> yeah, it's f- fucking bizarre, and... and just nakedly transparently about building up the right in the party again and of course you know max mosley a, a man of great labor lineage his father <laughs> his father of course was once in the plp before he founded the british union of fascists my greatest political idol <laughs> <laughs> yes kieran has again wrapped himself in the flag <laughs> you are now our westminster and bigotry correspondent um, Oh, for John Harris of the Real Politic podcast. We're going to just send him to towns in kind of England and stuff with a recorder <laughs> and just getting him to talk to people in town centres, and then he's going to be going, "See this? This I'm is yeah. what everyone <laughs> thinks." When someone's like, "Actually, I don't mind people from other countries." Bye. Sorry, sorry. All right, yeah, sorry. No, yeah, yeah. Oh, hello, dearie. Do you think it's around here in the last thirty years? Oh, God. Yeah, kids are really disrespectful nowadays, aren't they? With the gang signs and yeah, yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> they're, they're Things are changing. Pop. Yeah, they're listening to all this rap hop music. I don't understand it. Oh, and it smells Hit disgusting. Rap. What is that? It's spices and real bad, right? Right? Wouldn't you vote for someone to get them out? And there are of course problems with momentum organisationally it doesn't have the long term links to the Labour Party that would be necessary for it to be as powerful a force within the party as it needs to be in order to realise its transformative goal for which it was created yeah, they don't have those links. Although momentum has already proven that it can be a very kind of effective campaigning tool in Corbyn's two leadership, well sorry, in his second leadership election, it was obviously the kind of nucleus of momentum that was his first leadership campaign. But also in by-elections, for instance, Copeland is quite a remote constituency, so it was hard for a lot of activists from around the country to get up there to campaign for Labour. But a lot of 
activists from Momentum managed to get up to Stoke-on-Trent to campaign for the Labour Party, and that created a real kind of incredible force on the ground. And it's not just Momentum, of course. You've got to give credit even to the right-wing organisations like Progress. They sent people along. Although yeah, I don't they imagine. Got yeah, I don't imagine Progress like actually have like a huge amount of <laughs> of like you know committed people who care about that kind of politics enough to fucking join Progress. Well, have you but... been to any university Labour club? Like, oh yeah, no, that's no, their that's breeding true. ground. Those <laughs> strange individuals who populate the student union and make everything about themselves. They look to the Labour Party because they had working class great grandparents back in the day and couldn't ever vote yeah. Conservative, and so they go in and. They go to these little talks where Angela Regal or Rachel Reeves will tell them that they're the future and they'll just go straight into the party, straight up the ladder, and then you find them <laughs> 20 years later in the PLP. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, that that does seem to be um, like a fairly standard trajectory. But also other left-wing groups like Scottish Labour Young Socialists even sent a load of people down to campaign there, I think. Uh, they might, that, that might have been Copeland, actually, because I think that's a bit further up north, isn't it? Yeah. But um, basically, activists from all around the country came to campaign for Labour in both seats. Um, Stoke on Trent was easier to get to, so even more people got there and uh, yeah and it helped like I don't think there's any denying like Copeland would have been a tough seat for Labour to fight in any circumstances especially under a leader who's seen as kind of anti-nuclear so I'm not denying the Corbyn effect outright but there had been a decline in the Labour vote there for years and years I certainly think Labour would have lost by by an even worse margin if there hadn't been this kind of energy in the grassroots that Corbyn has stirred up. Definitely. Like, Copeland was always going to be tough, but under Owen Smith, as Bastani said countless times, Copeland and Stoke would have been lost by a mile. Oh, yeah. yeah, exactly. Although it's it's worth saying, um, yeah, the by elections wouldn't have happened. And it would have been it would have been a UK seat as well, which would have been just yeah. as worse. Would you well, oh yeah, yeah, nuttle in Christ. If, if if Smith was leader in in 2020, we absolutely would have lost those seats then. Yeah. Yeah. Or even, yeah, like they would have found some way to contrive losing by going on this referendum push. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, you know that's been Owen Smith has tried to like you know sort of. I guess rebrand because he's come back from his sabbatical, is he? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's back. He's not just like doing his woodwork and listening to Spotify. He's uh, he's now yeah he's now coming out and being like yeah I voted against Article Fifty. Oh look look at my warning letter I got from a chief whip. It's like you're hard, mate. You're fucking hard. What was that lame joke he posted? Soft coup. I prefer soft scoop. Like, I, I if you, if you mispronounce poop, then yeah, fine. Yeah. But it's poop, you fucking idiot. <laughs> I, I, I responded to that just like, who are you? I, I, just, I just saw, though, just like going down the replies. It was just reams and reams of abuse. <laughs> just like everybody just going at Smith in the most kind of like, yeah, most vicious ways. Which is, of course, yeah, as you were saying the other day, Kieran, it's what the British left love. Vicious partisan abuse. Exactly. <laughs> More of it. <laughs> yeah, so I think we've we've pretty much gone through the... the 
plots that are going on. I think we can call them plots. Yeah. People are plotting. What is amazing to me is, you know, after John McDonnell wrote that article talking about the soft coup, where there are constant efforts to undermine the Labour Party, negative briefings, and... With some uh, you coordination. Know, uh, you know, everyone's like, oh, it's conspiracy theory bollocks. Even some people who I've been informed by... Uh, multiple sources are quite possibly plotting themselves mm. it's quite interesting and but 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 what was really astounding is how the guardian and the bbc have both published articles on this soft coup business and they don't seem to have any idea what's actually going on like who the fuck are we like when we're, we're nobody yeah yet there seems to be these actual movements going on in the Labour Party that were described to me as a sort of mobilisation around Clive. All and, conscious and, these, and all considered. Yeah, and the, these journalists seem completely oblivious to it, or they're just not reporting on yeah, it. Yeah, or complicit. Yeah, I think that could be true. They might want Lewis to get the nucleus of his campaign into a stronger position, and so, yeah, they might just not want to splash it about there and get Corbyn fans annoyed at him. But I do think it's important that people know that this is going on. Yeah, and as I said, they should Allegedly. do everything they can to <laughs> try and block this completely alleged plot from happening just because you know use some sense think about what could happen think about yeah. how marginalized the labor left could be after this getting into power in the first place i acknowledge everything that is said from others especially to highlight one comrade tom gan in saying that the left we were completely unready for 2015 yeah we didn't absolutely. see ourselves in at that time we weren't organized we weren't prepared we have had to go from the very off fighting on the back foot with the entirety of the country's, you know, apparatus of state pushing against us, with the media pushing against us, with the party pushing against us, trying yeah. to deliver something important and good and irreparably changing for the face of this nation and for the society that we live in. We are pushing for something true. so much bigger and bolder. And we it need was to not lose sight of that. It was never going to be easy. And I sort of, I question if somebody who is willing to bail on this project, you know, to, to bail on this project after a year or two years. I, I sort of question if they were ever aware of how high the stakes were. I, I would ask them to remember the direction in which the entire mainstream of the Parliamentary Labour Party, from ultra-right to soft-left, were pushing in after Ed Miliband resigned. They were going to sweep away all Miliband's valuable achievements. All, all three uh, of them. Yeah, all the manners in which he moved Labour incrementally in a more progressive direction. They were going to move it possibly further to the right than it had ever gone before. And I've got to say, the Corbyn movement partially exists to restrain these people. It exists as a straitjacket on the PLP to stop them swerving back rightwards, which they still show every sign of doing. They might have conceded some of his economic arguments, but by God, they will not on immigration or foreign policy. I would say uh, probably a lot of the people, and, and this is fair enough if they, if they weren't, a lot of the people now who are getting on this Clive Lewis hype never really believed in the Corbyn thing in the first place. And that it's very convenient that this is coming around and yeah it's, it's a sign that we have a very very limited grasp over the party which only really amounts to our huge base of membership that yeah. is what we have that's our trump card that's what we have to try and deliver what we're trying to push because we never thought it'd be five years 
And if it takes 10 or if it takes 15, we know that it's the right thing to do. And if Absolutely. we lose sight of that, it'll, it will never happen again. Yeah, and I, I think splitting that base of members, part of it possibly aligning with the right in some aspects, uh, uh, you know, I think that's the most disastrous thing conceivable for our, our left-wing project, which I will say again, it's not about Corbyn, but think could we have done it without Corbyn? There was obviously something about him that John McDonnell and Diane Abbott, when they ran as the left candidate, Michael Meacher, did not have. There was something about Corbyn that Tony Benn, one of the greatest British left-wing politicians of the 20th century, didn't have. Corbyn does have qualities, and by not embracing those from the start, the Labour Party has shot itself in the foot in a big way. I think we could still embrace the good things about this movement now, but a split would be the most disastrous thing. Yeah, it's not too late, but it's the coming months are going to be so vital in terms of whether we're going to carry on with the division and if the coup does happen, I think that's it. I think I yep. don't think after that yeah. we'll be able to heal those wounds, but in the coming we months we need to stay in fight look, and yeah, win. Exactly. Yeah, I mean yeah, exactly. I'm, Down the ground, I'm, it's, you know, it's all or nothing. I'm fairly optimistic that we as the movement behind Corbyn could win a leadership contest. I, you know, again, as somebody whose opinion I quite value seemed quite certain that a Jones-Lewis challenge would end in failure. But um, on the other hand, you know, I've had comrades, seasoned comrades, saying, you know, you don't have to go down with the ship. I hope it won't come to that. I hope we will be able to get some of our comrades back from the soft left and we will be able to continue our mission, our political project, to redefine what the Labour Party is and effectively create a new party. Here, oh. here. Right, can we play out the internationally with that? Or... Oh, that was superb. I love that. I love that. It's exciting, it's young people, it's crowdsourcing.